Welcome back to Urban Spelunking. Nate Emick here with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. We're at the Summerfest grounds. Perfect, we, perfect we, timing. We should be at the Summerfest we grounds doing this with a wine yes. cooler. <laughs> with a wine cooler, that would be your <laughs> beverage of choice. Uh, well, no, I mean because it's the Summerfest thing. You know, they make their own wine. They're, they do. Their wine cooler is specially made for Summerfest. That's that's right. So we're talking about the Summerfest grounds, and we we found out that the uh, the history is pretty rich. It used to be a army installation. Before that, it was an airport, and then Summerfest takes it over to become closer to what we know today. In the 70s, there were improvements in the 80s, and this is when all the new stages went in, and they got these big sponsors like the breweries and, and such, right? Yeah, all that started kind of in the early 70s. Um, you got a Miller stage. We know really now all those stages kind of date really more to the, to the 80s when they spent a lot of money to rebuild, Yeah, you know, different parts of the grounds and to improve the stages and the sight lines and... Um, and of course, the biggest one in the '80s was the Marcus Amphitheater, and that really changed Summerfest. I mean, it, it was—it's why we still have Summerfest, right. really, because twenty-three thousand seat venue. Yeah, and it's—I mean, it's the seats, but it's also the stage. If you talk to Bob Babish, who's the main, all the big stuff at Summerfest, he'll tell you that Summerfest was already starting to be passed over by a lot of big acts because they. The old main stage, which was on the north side of the ground, it wasn't tall enough to handle the lighting rigs. It, you mm-hmm. know, they couldn't even set up truss systems to hang the new heavier speaker systems. Because the stages I mean, at this point were like just kind of plywood. In the 80s, concert tours are just these insane productions that require, you know, semis full of yeah, gear that, absolutely. that summer, summer fest yeah. facilities just couldn't handle anymore. And they... I mean, if they had to keep trying to book shows onto that main stage, they wouldn't be able to get the kind of people that they put in the amphitheater. And since then, we've seen these. It's I guess it's always been kind of a steady stream of improvements there over the years. And today, uh, the the most recent venue that they installed was the Bimo Harris Pavilion. And it's interesting that that is the only one of all the stages that doesn't face east. That is interesting, isn't it? And I think that's because it has that sort of slope in it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like kind of it, it almost faces up. Yeah. <laughs> in, <laughs> a, in a sense. Have the sound kind of pushed over to Lake Michigan? Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't always like that because the main stage, the old main stage faced west. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the goal as as they sort of. Well, happy Summerfest. And if you want to find out more about the Summerfest grounds in our Urban Spelunking segment, just head to RadioMilwaukee.org. Bobby Tenzel, thanks much. Enjoy the big gig. Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, this edition of Urban Spelunking takes us to the third ward for something pretty timely, Summerfest. It is both timely and timeless. That's right. Right? So what was going on at the Summerfest grounds before Summerfest? At that point, it was, I think in 68, it would have still been owned by the United States Army. Wow. Yeah. So back in the 1920s, it was actually an airport at that point. But yeah. when Summerfest first you know, came on the scene, it was an army base. And what was going on at the army base? This well, was like Cold War era? Yeah. So it was Maitland Airport from the 20s on. And um, after you know, after World War II, when the Cold War starts, uh, the military starts putting these uh, surface-to-air missiles, these anti-aircraft missiles called Nike Ajax missiles, and then later Nike Hercules missiles, which I think had nuclear warheads on them, in sites all over the country, everywhere, just basically, you know. Just in case? Just in case. Just in case, you know, some Russian plane flew over the pole and, you know, whatever. Um, But in the Milwaukee area, there were, I 
think, eight. So this was this this army installation all the way until what, like 1969? I th yeah, I think the army sold it um, to the city in 69. Well, lots of, uh, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to think about the early days of Summerfest because it was... It was so different. I mean, there was like the, the grounds when once Summerfest took them over, there was like not really that many paths, and when it would rain, it would wash out. I think it was out, mucky. Right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it got very muddy and stuff when the when the rain came. It was it was not improved the way it is now. Yeah, what were those early days like? I think it was swampy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think if, if it was extremely weathered. Like now, you think of how the festival. You know, they're concerned about the weather because people show up on good days and don't show up as much right. on bad days. But back then, a bad day was considerably worse. Yeah, you mentioned than a bad day now. <laughs> The, the article mentions that they would, like, put down hay yeah. when it got really rainy, just as a last resort. And I don't know about you, but while the hay might be better than the mud, the hay <laughs> is not really just a perfect, barely. A perfect yeah. solution. Well, happy Summerfest, and if you want to find out more about the Summerfest grounds in our Urban Spelunking segment, just head to RadioMilwaukee.org. Bobby Tenzel, thanks much. Enjoy the big gig. Discover Milwaukee's history with OnMilwaukee.com Managing Editor Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig. This is Urban Spelunking on 88.9. Well, this edition of Urban Spelunking takes us to the Third Ward for something pretty timely, Summerfest. Yes. It's the 50th anniversary of Summerfest this year, and we are going inside the grounds. It is both timely and timeless. That's right. Right. So Summerfest used to be a lot different 50 years ago. It was held actually at other locations around the city? Yeah, the first Summerfest was 1968. And in 68 and 69, it was really just kind of a grouping of events that were sort of brought under the umbrella of Summerfest. And as one longtime uh, Summerfest-related uh, person told me that that those first two years, if you had a barbecue in your backyard, it, it could have been part of Summerfest. <laughs> so uh, what was going on at the Summerfest grounds before Summerfest? At that point, it was, I think in 68, it would have still been owned by the United States Army. Wow. Yeah. So back in the 1920s, it was actually an airport at that point. But yeah. when Summerfest first you know, came on the scene, it was an Army base. And what was going on at the Army base? This well, was like Cold War era? Yeah, so it was Maitland Airport from the 20s on, and um, after you know after World War II, when the Cold War starts, uh, the military starts putting these uh, surface-to-air missiles, these anti-aircraft missiles called Nike Ajax missiles, and then later Nike Hercules missiles, which I think had nuclear warheads on them, in sites all over the country, everywhere, just basically, you know. Like just in case? Just in case. Huh. Just in case, you know, some Russian plane flew over the pole and, you know, whatever. Um, but in the Milwaukee area, there were, I think, eight. So this was this this army installation all the way until, what, like 1969? I th yeah, I think the army sold it um, to the city in 69. Well, lots of, uh, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to think about the early days of Summerfest because it was... It was so different. I mean, there was like the, the grounds when once Summerfest took them over, there was like not really that many paths, and when it would rain, it would wash I think out. It was mucky. Right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it got very muddy and stuff when the when the rain came. It was it was not improved the way it is now. Yeah, what were those early days like? 
I think it was swampy. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think if, if it was extremely weathered, like now you think of how the festival, you know, they're concerned about the weather because people show up on good days and don't show up as much right. on bad days. But back then, a bad day was considerably worse. Yeah, you mentioned than a bad day now. <laughs> the the article mentions that they would like put down hay. Yeah. When it got really rainy, just as a last resort. And I don't know about you, but while the hay might be better than the mud. The hay is not really just a perfect, barely. A perfect yeah. solution. Well, things obviously take a turn for Summerfest in the 1980s. Um, it, it started to see some improvement in the in the 70s, but really the explosion happened in the 80s. Yeah. We're going to pick up the story in the 1980s at Summerfest next after this song. Welcome back to Urban Spelunking. Nate Emick here with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. We're at the Summerfest grounds. Perfect we, perfect we, timing. We should be at the Summerfest we grounds doing this with a wine yes. cooler. <laughs> With a wine cooler, that would be your <laughs> beverage of choice. Uh, well, no, I mean because it's the Summerfest thing. You know, they make their own wine. Their, they do. Their wine cooler is specially made for Summerfest. That's that's right. So we're talking about the Summerfest grounds, and we we found out that the uh, the history is pretty rich. It used to be a army installation. Before that, it was an airport, and then Summerfest takes it over to become closer to what we know today. In the 70s, there were improvements in the 80s, and this is when all the new stages went in, and they got these big sponsors like the breweries and, and such, right? Yeah, all that started kind of in the early 70s. Um, you got a Miller stage and a, you got a Schlitz stage and a Pabst stage. Um, so those start, I mean, those kinds of improvements started in the 70s, but they were incremental. You know, they the, the Summerfest that we know really now, all those stages kind of, date really more to the to the eighties when they spent a lot of money to rebuild yeah. you know, different parts of the grounds and to improve the stages and the sight lines and um and of course the biggest one in the eighties was the Marcus Amphitheater. And that really changed Summerfest. I mean it, it was It's why we still have Summerfest right. really because twenty three thousand seat venue. Yeah, and it's I mean it's the seats but it's also it's also the sort of logistics of the stage. If you talk to Bob Babish, who's the main guy that books all the big stuff at Summerfest, he'll tell you that Summerfest was already starting to be passed over by a lot of big acts because they the old main stage which was on the north side of the ground, it wasn't tall enough to handle the lighting rigs. It, you mm -hmm. know, they couldn't even set up truss systems to hang the new heavier speaker systems. Cuz the stages I mean, at this point were like just kind of plywood and cinder blocks. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, they were still early 70s stages yeah. and by the time you get to the early 80s, concert tours are just these insane productions that require, you know, semis full of yeah, gear that absolutely. that summer summerfest yeah. facilities just couldn't handle anymore and they I mean, if they had to keep trying to book shows onto that main stage, they wouldn't be able to get the kind of people that they put in the amphitheater. And since then, we've seen these. It's I guess it's always been kind of a steady stream of improvements there over the years. And today, uh, the the most recent venue that they installed was the BMO Harris Pavilion. And it's interesting that that is the only one of all the stages that doesn't face east. That is interesting, isn't it? And I think that's because it has that sort of slope in it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it, it almost faces up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in, but, a, in a sense, you know. And But this was um, by design, right? To have the sound kind of pushed over to Lake Michigan? Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't always like that because the main stage, the old main stage faced west. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the goal as, as they sort of turned them all was the combination of not having the stages interfere with each other. Sure. But also have sense. it not, and especially now this is useful you know, in the in the seventies and eighties and nineties, it didn't really matter because nobody lived in the third ward anymore. But now that they've built yeah. all this stuff in the all this residential stuff in the third ward, it turned out to be a really good uh, philosophy to, <laughs> to face everything out toward the lake. Well, happy Summerfest! And if you want to find out more about the Summerfest grounds in our Urban Spelunking segment, just head to radiomilwaukee.org. Bobby Tenzel, thanks much. Enjoy the big gig. <laughs>